Hi, this is Vasya Weber from Music Data Company Vibrate. You're listening to the Your Morning Coffee podcast with my friends Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchert. Weekly music news for the new music business. From Billboard, music industry on cusp of sweeping changes as revenue growth slows, says Goldman Sachs. From Music Tectonics, Music Tectonics speakers on what's now and what's next in music and tech. And from Trapital, why music streaming can't agree on a payout model. We'll be talking about payout models for a very long time, Jay. Well, welcome everyone. We're glad you're here. Jay and I are ready to rock and it's getting hot here in SoCal. So kick back and let's start the show right about now. Stand by for transmission. This is London Calling. Wake up! Your morning coffee is on the air. 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 For the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated, and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. And now from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Jay, dude, it's good to see you, man. We've been talking for uh, more than an hour again. <laughs> it goes by so fast. Seem to do. Yes, we record typically on Saturdays. Yeah. And, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's starting to feel like summer. It sure is. This is Fourth uh, of July weekend here in the United States. Uh, it's Canada Day today. Uh, so happy oh, Canada happy Day Canada for Day our, to our, our friends up north. Indeed. Yeah, it's going to uh, be. Uh, but it's going to be a hot one. It's going to be a hot one, and we've been uh, kicking back and enjoying the, uh, sort of historically very cool weather for the beginning of our summer. But uh, but they are kicking it in this weekend, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, It'll be really fun. Hey, so as we start talking, before we get jumping into the stories, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you've got a really exciting behind the set list coming up. Oh with yeah, a band that I really love. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Um, Toad the Wet Sprocket. Um, I've loved this band for so long. Um, and it was just such a joy, uh, to talk to, uh, Glenn and Dean. And I just love that band so much. And, uh, it was a really great conversation. And I don't know if you knew this, but there was a kiss cover, uh, record, uh, back, I think in the early nineties called kiss my ass. And it was, I remember you know, Garth that. Brooks was on there, you know, doing hard luck woman. Anyway, Toad the wet sprocket does rock and roll all night. And they do it in an acoustic, 
kind of Americana kind of way. And Gene Simmons has gone on record saying that it's his favorite version of that song. But oh. if you get a chance, check out Behind the Set List. Uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket is live. And you, my friend, I think it's tonight, aren't you? And, uh, and your uh, bandmates opening for uh, the Gin Blossoms? Is that tonight? We are. We're opening tonight, yes. And as they say, you know, I, I play music for free, but I charge to move my gear in and out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cognizant of that every time. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm looking forward to playing, but oh. Where is that? Setting up. Uh, that's at the Libby Bowl in Ohio. Oh, I've been so there. That's just, that's cool. It's a great it's a great venue, yeah. And I love the Gin Blossoms. And so uh, looking forward to that. It'd be fun to... Uh, to get out, to kick out the jams. Oh, have say. fun tonight. Yeah. Have fun tonight. Um, I, um, I used to work with Bill Lean, uh, who's the bass player for the Gin Blossoms. Mm-hmm. He and I worked together at Tower Records and, uh, he was just such a great guy. Absolutely hilarious. And, uh, he's still with the band, you know, all these decades later. I know it well. And it's one of those, you know, like so many bands, you, you, you are, I tend to think of them kind of, yeah, that's kind of a, a newish band, you know, and then you're like, wait a minute those records came out when like in the nineties and it's like, yeah, time flies. It's, it's hard to believe. And we're going to be, when we're, we're going to be a lot, do a lot of talking about data in, in the, in the show today. And, and I was, I was remarking on when all of the sound scan and BDS stuff started. And that was again in the early nineties. And, and for those that don't know, you know, sound scan is, you know, POS data, point of sale data, you know, it started with, you know, CDs, albums, later downloads, Mm -hmm. then streaming and BDS uh, broadcast data systems. That was radio tracking radio. And to your point, they really changed the game. And that really sets up, uh, you know, a, a conversation that we're going to have about data. But also, how about that intro um, from our friend Vasya Weber over at yeah. Vibrate? Um, that was super cool. And before we get into the stories this week, I, I wanted to touch a little bit on what's up over at uh, Vibrate. But you brought up something to me that I hadn't really thought of, and that is that Luminate sounds a little bit like vibrate and that there's sometimes uh, maybe a little bit of confusion. So just to clear that up for those that don't know, you know, Luminate um, used to be MRC Connect, used to be SoundScan. It's really what we were talking about a second ago. It started in 1991 and it really tracks, you know, point of sale and streaming. So you know, what's sold and streamed in the, in the marketplace. And, you know, Billboard uses it for some of their charts. So that's, that's Luminate, right? But Vibrate, what we're going to talk about is this really cool uh, data platform. And I've had the pleasure to work with these people. You know, it's music data analytics for industry professionals. You know, it, it pulls in data on things like, your Spotify and, you know, how it's trending and how, you know, playlists that you're added to and taken off of. And, um, it's things like, um, you know, your socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I mean, it tracks so much stuff and they have like A&R charts and basically music stats on, on every artist across, across (laughs) all these channels, playlist performance, audience demographics, benchmarking tools, And they had an announcement, uh, really a story in music business worldwide uh, this week. Um, And let's talk about that for a second. 
Yeah, so they launch an independent artist platform offering distribution advances and advances up to a million dollars. The newly launched Vibrate for Artists offers music distribution to all major streaming platforms, including Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Tencent Music, of course. Yeah, so Vibrate for Artists, this is new. It provides booking and uh, promotion tools, playlists, and festival pitching you know, a free one sheet tool and professional artist analytics that we talked about, you know, covering streaming and social media channels. Indeed, according to the company's website, to meet the advancing criteria, songs need to be at least a year old and with at least 100,000 streams in the past 12 months. Vibrate says it'll still analyze and assess every submission individually. Yeah, they, they offer a set of A&R tools for labels and publishers and a business toolkit uh, for managers and, and other professionals. So um, for those uh, tech geeks out there like us, you can get their API And, you know, for those that don't know, an API is just an application programming interface. It Mm -hmm. it allows computer systems to communicate with each other. Right. So the company says that its analytic tools process over a billion data points each day. The company also claims to offer comprehensive analytics pages for pretty much every artist in the world. Yeah. Last month, uh, Vibrate launched an emerging artist channel or chart, I'm sorry, featuring genre, performance, fan base, geolocation filters. It's really incredible. You got to see this thing. Um, And they just they're doing this to make it easier, you know, to discover new talent around the world. Right. And it kind of, I think, as you mentioned earlier this year, they reduced the price of its professional music analytics suite to $9.90 per month, which is ridiculous to have that sort of depth and breadth of stuff going on. Yeah. There, and Vasya, who uh, did our little intro, um, there's a quote from him in here. He said that, you know, Vibrate is changing the rules of the game by giving artists access to all the tools that can help them kickstart their career without restrictions. It's a pretty cool tool. Yeah, he also said artists can now release and monetize their music, plus promote it with data-driven tools previously reserved for bigger players in the music industry. Yeah, pretty cool. Check it out. Um, it, it's really cool. And again, you know, we, this, this, these tools like this, and and it's just opening the window. And when I when I read about all the availability of of tools like this, I think back to just like the caveman days when we first started in the business. It's like, yeah. wow, you know, you just didn't, you know, it was it was reporting, yeah, and you were a you were a Billboard reporter and yeah. and radio reporting, and it was just so primitive. But and we, we thought it was kind of pretty cool at the we, time that we when did. SoundScan started, I was working at Tower. Oh, yes. I was a Billboard reporter. Um, it was shocking because we, for the first time, we saw what was actually sold, not somebody's opinion of what was being sold. And it was the biggest surprise was that country music actually <laughs> was a powerhouse. Not only in Nashville, yeah. not only in the South, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. yeah, it was it was just, you know, it, 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 everyone's mind was blown. And, and then you wondered, like everything in, in technology, how in the hell did we get along without this stuff? Yeah. You know? um, and it's just, it's really, when you think back to that, if you've been around as long as we have, you recognize that it is just such a dramatic turn of yeah. the what we had then which was seemingly nothing yeah. to the all of the tools and data we have yeah now. so and, pretty and amazing the, yeah one last thing on on the data side um there's an old joke in advertising that half my advertising doesn't work i just don't know which half well that's not so <laughs> true anymore because 
with a lot of the advertising we're doing now are targeted online ads and some of it's mm -hmm. AI assisted, you know, um, we talk about companies, you know, like undercover ads, you know, that use AI. Um, now you can see exactly what's happening. So there is, it's almost like overkill. So you need something like vibrate to kind of put it all together and make sense of it. Exactly. But as, as you were saying, you know, the, the good news is, you can actually see what's working in a way that we couldn't uh, at all a long time ago. So, yeah. uh, by the way, Jay, we, you know, we have to mention every week when we do the show that we've got some sponsors. And boy, we are so lucky to have them. We totally appreciate the, their contributions to the show, including HypeBot. Since 2004, HypeBot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It is edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Alana Bonilla. Hypebot and sister blog Music Think Tank are published by Live Music Discovery and Marketing Platform Bands in Town. Yes, sir. Bands in Town. Over 74 million live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It's the number one artist services platform connecting over 560,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. Yes. And how about the Music Business Association? The Music Business Association creates the rooms in which the important conversations that shape our industry's future take place. We know when we work together, our industry, your business, and your people will be stronger. Our membership represents every major segment of the global music business, including labels and distributors, music streaming, retail and wholesale, publishers and pros, rights management and metadata, artist managers, tech and startups, Big thanks to the Music Business Association. Hey, go over to musicbiz.org for more information. So big thanks, Music Business Association, Bandzoogle, Hypebot, and Bands in Town. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool stuff. So before we jump in, just really quickly, um, I sent you this uh, article on Taylor Swift and kind of the economics of her tour. Oh my and it God. was, yes. we didn't have to get too deep into it, but I just want to touch on a, a couple of things because, you know, right now these blockbuster tours, the per show grosses are higher than they've ever been. And there's some reasons for that, not just Taylor Swift and, you know, Elton John and some of these other ones, but you know, there's uh, higher prices for general admission tickets aisle seats, you know, VIP packages, you know, so they're charging just like airlines now, you know, you want a seat that's uh, over here, it costs a little bit more. Um, but I thought it was really interesting. Um, this piece was in the Wall Street Journal, it was written by Neil Shaw. And there was a chart that was kind of uh, um, making its way around this last week. And I got it from a couple of different people. And it says Taylor Swift Eras Tour Economics. And a couple of things that jumped out at me, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this too. Um, one is they just kind of averaged out like, you know, sure. like how much yeah. per show, you know, is being grossed and how much of that is profit. And what I thought was really interesting is the average, you know, uh, ticket price is like 200 bucks, but the average per head in merch uh, every night, it averaged about $50, which is, seems like a massive amount of money to me. And the way they had this laid out was, uh, at the end of the tour, the profit, um, would be over $600 million. And keep in mind, I think there's 50 something dates in the U S and they have another 50 something dates. 
So it adds up to a little over a hundred. I think it's like 106 dates in this global eras tour, but it is playing to some of the largest crowds and bringing in some of the most revenue that we've seen. It's crazy. And they use kind of round numbers. Uh, but, you know, they basically start and they, they say there's 50,000, you know, the average of about 50,000 uh, people per show wow. at 200 bucks. So you're talking a gross per show of $10 million. Uh, it does cost a little bit to rent the stadium. They say it's around $3 million. Staging costs around $2 million. The promoter, 10% of the gross gets a cut, a million. But we're still at a profit per show, 40% of the gross is $4 million. Then you add in, as you mentioned, about 50 bucks per head of the 50,000 people. So they're making two and a half million bucks on merch, of, uh, merch per show. That's crazy. And then, uh, of course, but they don't keep all of that. The vendor of the stadium gets a cut, about 750000 But you're still looking at $1.75 million of merch. Profit. And the yeah. total profit for show, they're saying, is about, you know, damn near $6 million. Per show. And the... Per show. <laughs> oh my God. It's just staggering numbers. Yeah. But, it's you know, there's, crazy. there's big tours. There's big tours. And then there's the Taylor Swift Eras Tour. And yeah. it is really unprecedented yeah. in terms of um, scope and reach and profit. They, they think wow. this is going to be the biggest tour ever. At like, um, I think the Wall Street Journal was saying that it could be as, as high as a billion four. You know, and Elton John currently holds a record for the highest grossing global tour. And that's on this current tour, uh, the Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour. Um, and so far, it's brought in $887 million, which is massive. Um, but this could be Crazy over a billion dollars. So congratulations, uh, Taylor Swift. Some, <laughs> some amazing numbers. Well, you know, and, and, and when you think about Elton too. I mean, Elton is what, 75 years old, give or take. I mean, the guy is out there just hitting it hard. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing for Taylor, who's in her late twenties. I don't know. Is she 30 yet? I can't remember. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's one thing for a, a, a young person to be out and doing that, but for somebody who is in their seventies, it's stunning. And, uh, but it's, again, it's just, that's where the money is. And if you've got a, a, a happening road package, boy, you are going to just rake in the cash potentially. Yeah. And people are so hungry to get back to these festivals and big concerts that, uh, they're pretty massive crowds. I think you said, uh, the average for the Taylor Swift thing was like 50,000 a night. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. That is crazy. And that's, you know, for, for me as a, as a person who's not so young anymore, that's not a pleasant uh, uh, live concert experience yeah. for me. No, I, I I can't go that big. I mean, that's that's pretty. It's pretty big, you yeah. know. And that's you know, like a, going to like a, a pro football game. It's like eh, I don't know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna commit to something like that. But yeah, as my daughter is 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 an example. You know, she could hardly wait to get tickets for the show because it's just the hottest ticket in town. Yeah, they've and, got people as we've reported on that are going to the parking lot in groups uh, and just listening from the parking lot because they couldn't get tickets to get into the show. There's so much more demand than there is supply. And we've never seen anything quite like this. Yeah. Miraculous. Well, Hey, uh, every week I get to do the show with my good buddy, Jay Gilbert, and I do not take it for granted because Jay and I have known each other for so long. He's a music industry consultant. He's the curator of the weekly your morning coffee newsletter and a former executive 
with these little companies, Universal Music, Sony Music, and the Warner Music Groups. And I get to do this show every week with Mike Etchart, longtime host of Sound and Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, Capital EMI, and Universal Music Groups. Yes, indeed. So what do you say we jump into the stories, Jay? Much to talk about today. We're going to start with a a story from Billboard. Music industry on cusp of sweeping changes as revenue growth slows, says Goldman Sachs. Yeah, this is by Elizabeth Diltz Marshall. Really well done. And we'll also touch on um, our friend Glenn Peoples over at Billboard. He writes that great uh, newsletter, The Ledger. And he covers uh, another angle of this story, which reminds me, um, I wasn't aware of this until this last week, but um, I get the Ledger newsletter every week because I subscribe to Billboard Pro. But uh, I found out this last week that you don't have to subscribe to Billboard Pro to get the Ledger, uh, which comes out every Friday uh, from Glenn. So I highly encourage all of our listeners to subscribe to the uh, Ledger. It is one of the best newsletters out there. It's fantastic. It's a it's a quick read, but it's a really good read. So yeah, absolutely check it out. So uh, this article this article starts uh, with the closely watched Music in the Air report. It says there's a, been a twenty percent decline in revenue earned per audio stream in the last five years, which yeah. is kind of a shocking headline. Well, yeah, this is that Goldman Sachs report that you hear us talk about. Music in the Air. Um, It was published just last Wednesday um, by their research analysts. Um, And they say that they expect, they expect global music industry revenues in 2023 to grow by 7.1%, but that's down from an 8% growth projection last year. Uh, As live music and publishing growth rates return to normal, you know, those normal ranges are like 6% and 8% growth uh, respectively the compound annual growth rate for revenues from 2023 to 2030 ticked up slightly to 7.3% from 7.1% last year. So just a little bit, but streaming revenue is expected to hold steady at an 11% growth rate, according to the report. Right. They say that indicates steady and even more broad-based growth, researchers say, but the industry is about to face a fresh wave of massive changes. So he says, we believe the music industry is on the cusp of another major structural change given the persistent under-monetization of music content, outdated streaming royalty payout structures, and the deployment of generative AI, Goldman researchers wrote in the report. In the wake of these developments, we believe a more coordinated and collaborative response from the main stakeholders will be key to ensure that the industry not only continues on its path of sustainable growth, yeah. but also captures new business opportunities. Yeah, and, and we'll get into some of those in a second. Their researchers say monetization of music content is way behind the rate of consumption. They estimate that the revenue earned per audio stream has fallen, get this, 20% over the last five years, and that the revenue companies earn per hour of music streamed, let's say on Spotify, is four times lower than that of Netflix. Interesting. Right. They estimate that up to 1. Point, I'm sorry. They they estimate that up to 4.2 billion dollars in potential revenue could be gained over time by charging different audience segments such as super fans more for subscriptions. Yeah, that's that tiered approach you and I have been talking about these last few weeks. Mm-hmm. So there there are opportunities here. 
um, maybe charging more for streaming, charging more per tier. Um, they talk about, you know, should sound effects, you know, 30 seconds of sound effects get the same revenue as, you know, the Beatles ticket to ride, you know, there, those conversations are are definitely happening. Yeah. And that is, uh, yeah, I think we can all agree that it shouldn't, but boy, how do you kind of initiate that and change that? That's a, that's a fairly steep, uh, yeah. Anyway, but as, as you said, you know, about the, the difference in, in what a stream is, but again, when we compare it with Netflix and we've talked a lot about this is, you know, the, 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 uh, video streaming companies have no qualms about rising or raising rates. Uh, but music still seems to be very sticky when it comes to changing how much they charge. And that is really kind of puzzling at times, yeah. although Apple Music did increase their their amount mm-hmm. of money. But that's something that, that they bring up here. That's, you know, when you compare those two things, it's pretty dramatic. Yeah. Uh, they also sounded a positive note on the potential for generative AI to lower barriers for artists, boost music creation, creation capabilities, and improve industry productivity overall with a major music company's best position to benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'd like to get into some of the highlights Um, but before I do, there was one note in here I thought was really interesting and it was about market share and, and they were saying that universal music group, Sony music, they both maintained their market share in 2022 with only Warner music group losing a little bit of market share, about half a percentage point. And they feel like that went to, uh, the independents, but let's, let's talk about some of the highlights, um, from this music in the air report. Uh, first let's talk about streaming. Yes. So implied revenue per audio stream, both from subscription and ad supported content has declined by 20% since 2017 and revenue per streaming hour has declined by 14% between 2015 and 2021. Interesting. Meanwhile, the number of streaming hours on Spotify has increased nearly fivefold between 2015 and 2021. Uh, Goldman researchers attribute some of the mismatch to family streaming plans and other bundles as global paid streaming average revenue per user fell 40% since 2016 when Apple Music and Spotify first launched family plans. Wow, 40%. Goldman researchers expect Spotify and YouTube Music to raise prices and for other DSPs to adopt recurring price hikes. Uh, we, that could result in 3% annual pricing growth in global paid subscription revenues. They say if DSPs raised prices on the super fan segment of their subscribers, which Goldman estimates to be 20% of subscribers, it could present a $4.2 billion market opportunity. Yeah, but they also estimate, you know, a low single digit percentage of the royalty pool is lost to fraud. And we talk about fraud quite a bit because it hasn't gone away. It's just not as much of a problem as it was in the uh, download era. Right. So when we jump over to their report on global growth, researchers forecast global music industry revenues to grow by 7.1% in 2023 overall, lower than their 8% growth forecast outline in last year's report. Yeah. And I guess that's a big deal. That's almost a full percentage point, you know, so within that figure, they're expecting live music revenues to grow by 6% publishing to grow by 8.2% and recorded music growing 7.5% year over year, which sounds really positive, sounds really good. It's just that this is less than what we thought, you know, over the last few years, we thought the growth would be a little bit higher. 
So as you kind of look to the future from 2023 to 2030, researchers anticipate a compound annual growth rate, which is the acronym CAGR, of 7.3% overall with recorded music growing by 8.6%, music publishing ticking up uh, by about uh, 7.6%, and live music growing by 5%. Yeah, and streaming still is expected to grow by 11% annually across the world until 2030. That's incredible growth. Right. And they say, but streaming growth was weaker than expected in 2022. It grew at a rate of 11.5% below Goldman's prior expectation of 14.5%, driven mostly by a 7% decline in average revenue per user. Yeah. And there, there were a couple of other highlights I want to touch on really quickly. One is that short form video, which we all know it's a short form video world, that the monetization of short form video is improving and analysts expect revenues from things like Instagram reels, that that's going to grow by, you know, up to 63%. And that 63% could be like $20 billion by 2027. Also things like YouTube shorts, you know, that they expect that to grow by 98%. And that 98% would represent $11.6 billion in the same time frame. And interestingly, they talked about where TikTok to cease operations in the U.S., which we've been talking about a lot. Um, analysts expect other video platforms would quickly fill the void and the music industry's revenue from emerging platforms would continue to grow by 11% year over year, down from 30% growth if TikTok continues to operate as it currently does. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. And then check out the, uh, the ledger. And then there's also a piece um, that uh, Glenn wrote you know, about this. Um, and he talks about, you know, companies that are buying and selling music rights, you know, in that report, um, and the forecasts in general, but he points out that the Goldman Sachs forecast for 2030 recorded music, it, it dropped and it dropped from 53.2 billion to $50.1 billion. And some of that decrease can be attributed to the $1.7 billion downward revision of the 2022 revenue, you know, from 27.9, almost 28 billion to 26.2. And that's a 6% decline. So um, check out the ledger. Uh, He's got this really cool thing in there. It's called the Billboard Global Music Index. And it really kind of takes you know, a lot of these companies like Universal and Spotify and Warner and Live Nation and Sirius XM. And he made a really cool index out of it. So you can kind of at a glance, see the trend and see the health um, of these companies. And then the last thing I'll say on it really quickly is there's a cool chart that he puts in here about the changes in stock prices. So week to week, you can kind of see what's kind of overperforming and underperforming, but it's, it's one of my favorite newsletters out there. So, Oh, absolutely. I do want to mention too, at the end, uh, Glenn kind of touched again on what we were talking about, the difference between the video streaming services. He says the analysts believe in under monetize. Uh, again, they said the analysts believe music is under monetized. That's really important to, to mention. Netflix generates four times as much revenue per hour streamed as Spotify and the revenue per audio stream is de- for audio stream has declined 20% in the last five years. So again, we talk about the difference between those two segments yeah. and how we are really undercharging in many cases. Yeah. And we'll see where that goes. Yeah, absolutely. If anybody's listening, don't be so afraid. Yeah. Raise those rains. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about the next one, Jay? Music tectonics. Is it already time? 
for the music. It seems like we were just there, but it very does. exciting. Uh, the music tectonics, music tectonics speakers on what's now and what's next in music in tech. Yeah, uh, it's a press release. Actually, a lot of exciting stuff coming up that's going to be talked about in October twenty fourth through twenty sixth in Santa Monica. Yeah. Uh, we'll lovely event and so fun to go to. And man, it's just. That is one of my favorite conferences because yeah. it's just, you learn so much. Yeah, we had a great oh, time last great. year and, we did. you know, um, I can't wait to go again. And for those that don't know, I mean, Music Tectonics um, is, is such a great, um, not only conference, podcast, you know, all of that, but it's, um, it really brings together cutting edge people in tech and cutting edge people in entertainment. Um, I like the music side, of course. And uh, they touch on a couple of things here with some of the people who are going to be speakers at that conference that you just mentioned in Santa Monica in October. And a couple of the topics are, you know, these are things that we talk about quite a bit, like AI and music. You know, um, there is a, a, a paragraph here from Bruce Hamilton um, from uh, Metch Ventures. And he's talking about AI and he says, there's a bright future for music and AI. Just look at the Endel and UMG partnership. You know, you and I talked about that a little bit recently. He says, I know UMG has been trying to combat losing market share to white noise and tapping into catalog is a smart move. We're going to see a lot more generative AI. I, I couldn't agree with him more. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Dimitri Vitsa from Music Techno- Tectonics and Rock, Paper, Scissors said, AI is not all evil. We have already been using it. Now we just know. The trick is to work with rights holders to license training data to make sure end users understand what they do and do not own. Yeah, and, and Angela Abbott from Tidal said, we're at a crucial moment. Uh, when rules are being set for how we as an industry, labels, DSPs, social platforms, how we want to handle generative AI. And there's no turning back. Uh, We all want good things to come from it, like functional music, yet we need to be clear about what our terms are. Right now, we're lumping everything together and we need to define and create more clarity. That's around AI and music. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there, again, will AI music live up to the hype? Uh, Bruce Hamilton over at McVenture said the big topic at LA Tech Week was AI, but VCs are experiencing a bit of AI fatigue. One opinion he said I'm hearing is that you haven't gotten in all, if you haven't gotten in already, it's too late. People are a bit turned off by the word because so often it's just tacked on to generative buzz. Yeah. AI has been around for a long time, but we've seen it get rebranded over the last few years, which is true. And we We've talked about this a lot. It's like it's like somebody just so suddenly turned on a switch when when in the major media outlets, yeah. and it's like all of a sudden it was everywhere, yeah, everywhere. Yeah. And I don't think that's changing, but it was stunning to see how that just essentially a a a, a little switch turned on, yeah. And suddenly people were talking about it. Well, this is the fifth annual Music Tectonics conference, the one that's coming up. They were talking about AI and music at the first one. So, mm-hmm. you know, these guys were a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to that. And Michael Pelsinski uh, from SoundCloud had, had a really interesting thing here. He's talking about streaming models, generative AI and fraud, you know, that those are some issues that we really need to rethink how we do business. He says, until we agree to remedy uh, foundational issues like uniform metadata or attribution of rights, disruption will remain a necessary catalyst. 
in, in order to accelerate collaboration in an industry notoriously slow for rectifying its own mistakes, let alone proactively solving issues that are beginning to take shape. Oh my gosh, there's going to be so much great stuff happening. So if you have an opportunity to get down there, we highly recommend it. We will be there. And as always, Jay Gilbert will be buying drinks for everybody. So uh, I've got a. <laughs> it's a good, it's a great event. And it's so unique. You know, it, it is really a great, uh, it's a, just a great forum to kind of have these sort of advanced discussions. And it's, it's all this stuff is here, but boy, it's, I had, like you said, I had such a great time last year and, and yeah. bumping into people and hearing a lot of these, a lot of the topics being discussed, really a great event. Yep. So hardly wait. Yep. Hardly wait. And how about the last story, Jay, from Trapital? Why music streaming can't agree on a payout? Ah, uh, this is uh, so timely. And this is, you know, Dan Runcie, who is uh, our friend and colleague, and we never miss uh, the Trapital podcast and um, he's just got such a great uh, platform over there. I highly recommend it. So this podcast, uh, Dan was talking to Lucas Shaw, and he's from uh, Bloomberg News. And you should listen to the podcast if you if you have the time. It's really well done. But in this article, they kind of break down several areas uh, that they talked about. Right. So, you know, we were talking about, again, the variables, the right payout model has several layers to it. And they talk about, they break kind of each one of them down. Uh, you know, distribution, how to best split revenue, both, both ad supported and paid user. And, you know, it's right now, obviously, it, it pools all revenue together in a big pot, splits it up with all rights holders based on how many streams each song they own gets. Easy, predictable, and often benefits the top artists to an extent. That is why Spotify, Apple and Music and uh, Apple Music and Amazon use it. But... Pro rata is more challenging for artists with smaller, more passionate and differentiated fan bases. Those artists would benefit from maximizing revenue directly from yeah. their unique fans. And that's one of the benefits, of course, of a user centric model. We've been talking about this a lot. Uh, but if we, as we know, SoundCloud and Tidal have adopted these models because it helps their target artists earn more from streaming. So, yeah. you know, it's going to be this this topic will be continued to be batted around for the next couple of years. And if you look into your crystal ball, Jay, do you think what do you think Spotify's, you know, in in the boardrooms of Spotify, they're talking about this. Do you think it, it, it could ever really happen in the near future with, with the major, the big players? I do. I mean, we're, we're already seeing, you know, what SoundCloud's doing and Deezer's doing and tests that Warner Music's doing. And um, I think they're looking at it. And two weeks ago, you know, the lead story in your morning coffee broke down. What happens if you go from a pro rata uh, to a user centric or market centric um, system and yeah, there's going to be some winners and losers, but I, I do think that we're headed that way. It just, it's not that simple to hit a switch and go from one nope. to another. I mean, these are complex, you know, uh, repertoire systems and payouts. And, um, what's interesting is these companies that are running concurrently, um, both and seeing how it works out so they can get things, you know, get their ducks in a row when, when a change does uh, occur. So I do think that we're sort of headed that way. Um, you've got more people at least looking at the data and uh, seeing who those winners and losers are because it's, you know, it's a finite pie and you're just kind of moving these slices around a little bit and hopefully it'll be 
more fair. I, I think it will. They also talk about should longer songs generate more revenue. And we talked about this in an earlier story and we hear this all the time, man, I just don't know how you could pull that off. It's so subjective when you get into the quality of music, but the timing of music is not subjective. You could say, well, you've got this eight minute song and it should you know, generate more revenue. But, you know, the way that Dan points out, you know, in this interview is that the current model counts a stream once it's been played 30 seconds, of course. So a 31 second meditation track counts the same as hip hop's first big single, the 14 minute rapper's delight, right? So this, Mm -hmm. this model is quick and efficient, but it's too democratized. That's easy for you to say, uh, for some people in his recent, um, episode of the podcast um, with Spotify's Will Page, he proposed an idea where songs over four or five minutes would get a multiplier for each additional minute played. Interesting. And I was thinking, you know, as as a musician, though, do you just, okay, so now I'm going to write a song that's going to have a really long guitar solo in the middle and a really long uh, fade out at the end to bump that up. So suddenly you've got you know, people again, creating, creating for, for the platform. And, you know, I I could see that absolutely, absolutely happening. Uh, One of the things he talked about was would growing the pie solve it all? Since these issues were less of a concern when growth was strong, should the industry focus more on that instead? He says, yes, but how to grow the pie is a whole separate debate. Uh, The major record labels have pushed on the DSPs to raise prices uh, as others have, have called out, the price of everything else worldwide is increased except music streaming. If music streaming charged $15 monthly in all established market, it would fundamentally change the industry. Um, and that is so true. But boy, that's that would be dramatic. But would they do that? The, the, there are other ways to grow the pie beyond price increases, though. Streaming services have better data than anyone on listener consumption patterns. They can identify the super fans before listeners even realize they are super fans. They can flex that data to us every year with Spotify wrapped. Yeah. But what if the data helped offer a personalized fan experience that could be listening sessions for unreleased tracks, feedback on an album and more. Dan says he's heard from several sources that the largest DSPs are reluctant to add any feature that takes users away from actively streaming revenue generating audio on the platform. But that myopic focus may miss the bigger opportunity. Yeah. It gets me thinking about, you know, we did a special episode with Will Page. It's going to drop soon. And he's not so sure that just raising uh, the price of subscription is going to solve all of these issues because of the way that the payments are allocated. So make sure you uh, check that episode out when it drops. Um, cause he's always got really good insights. So what, what Dan during this interview talks about, well, what is the best path forward, right? It's, it's hard to escape the competing incentives between DSPs and major labels. Uh, to be honest, you know, majors should have launched their own music streaming services, you know, to control these issues. Hmm. Video streaming has shown that's, that's the only way for IP owners to control distribution. But that ship has sailed. Even if uh, one of the majors acquires a streaming service, they, they will be likely years behind. So from a payout model perspective, he says he would push for a user-centric approach 
if, if we were starting from scratch, you know, he likes focusing less on streams and more on users. And he says, if I log on to Spotify once a month and only listen to Miguel's sure thing, then that song's various rice holders deserve my revenue. Interesting. Yes. But again, he says, but we're not starting from scratch. <laughs> we're over a decade in with the current model. And he predicts that the, the, the pro rata model will continue to remain the dominant option for most services. Despite the benefits, the switching costs, he says, are too high. And since the major labels don't necessarily have the leverage to pose a viable alternative. Um, yeah. I don't know. We, we shall see. Yeah. We shall see. Great, great piece from Dan, though. And yeah. of course, we, we talk a lot about Trapital and we are big fans of that website and his podcast is excellent. So, yeah. so do check it out. But boy, that's going to be something we're going to be talking about for the foreseeable future. What's the best way of, of making this viable and more profitable and better user experience? And it yeah. feels like it should be something else, but what, how that's going to turn out, that remains to be seen. Yeah. Great interview with uh, Lucas Shaw from uh, Bloomberg News. Uh, well done, uh, Dan Runcy. So Indeed. Cool. And it's time to wrap up the show, Jay. Can you believe it as we get ready for a, a not a long weekend, but a holiday coming up? Yeah. Uh, we, of course, want to thank our sponsors. We are so pleased to have the Music Business Association, Banzoogle, Hypebot, uh, and Bands in Town. Boy, we sure appreciate everyone's uh, help with us getting the show up and running. And of course, you, the audience. Uh, Jay and I do not take that for granted. We thank each other. Uh, we, we, we both talk to each other about how thankful we are about our listeners and uh, couldn't do it without y'all. So big thanks. So on that note, we will see you next time. Jay and I will be back again with our next episode next week on the Your Morning Coffee podcast. You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news program for the new music business. Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.